This is Lotus's Ginn Anderson's podcast, and it's the 10th of January 2023. The time is 19.07, and it is uh, Tuesday. Now today we're going to pick up where we left off. We have come to 2 Samuel chapter number 9. David then said, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I may show loyal love for the sake of Jonathan? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul named Seba. So they called him to David, and the king asked him, Are you Seba? He replied, I am your servant. The king continued, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I may extend God's loyal love? Seba replied to the king, There is still one son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. The king asked him, Where is he? Seba replied to the king, He is in the house of Machiah, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. King David immediately sent for him and took him from the house of Machiah, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. When Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came in to David, he at once fell face down and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, to which he replied, Here is your servant. David said to him, Do not be afraid, for I will certainly show loyal love to you for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will return to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you will always dine at my table. At that he prostrated himself and said, What is your servant that you have turned your attention to a dead dog like me? The king now sent for Sheba, Saul's attendant, and said to him, Everything that belongs to Saul and to all his house I give to the grandson of your master. You will cultivate the land for him, you and your sons and your servants, and you will gather its produce to provide food for those who belong to the grandson of your master to eat. Mount Mephibosheth, the grandson of your master, will always dine at my table. Now Seba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Seba said to the king, Your servant will do all that my lord the king commands his servants to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the sons of the king. Now Mephibosheth also had a young son named Micah, and all those who lived in Seba's house became servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he always ate at the table of the king, and he was crippled in both feet. Chapter number 10 Later the king of Ammonites died, and his son Hanun became king in his place. At that David said, I will show loyal love towards Hanun, the son of Nahash, as his father showed loyal love towards me. So David sent his servant to offer him comfort over the loss of his father. But when David's servant came into the land of the Ammonites, the princes of the Ammonites said to Hanun, their lord, Do you think that David is honoring your father by sending comforters to you? It is, is it not to search through the city and to spy it out and to overthrow it that David has sent his servant to you. So Hanun took the servants of David and shaved off half their beards and cut their garments in half at their buttocks. David was told, when David was told, he had once sent men to meet them, because the men had been deeply humiliated, and the king told them, Stay in Jericho until your beards grow back and then return. In time the Ammonites saw that they had become a stench to David, to the Ammonites sent a hired Syrian of Bet-Rehob and Syrians of Sobach, 
20,000 foot soldiers, and the king of Maaka with a thousand men, and from his top, 12,000 men. When David heard about it, he sent Joab and the entire army, including his mighty warriors. And the Amorites went out and drew up in battle formation at the entrance of the city gate, while the Syrians of Sopa and of Rehob, along with Istop and Maaka, were by themselves in the open field. When Joab saw that the battle changed, uh, battle charges were coming against him from the front and the rear, he chose some of the best troops in Israel and drew them up in battle formation to meet the Syrians. He put the rest of the men under the command of his brother Abishai in order to draw them up in battle formation to meet the Ammonites. Then he said, If the Syrians become too strong for me, then you must come to my rescue. But if the Ammonites become too strong for you, I will come to your rescue. We must be strong and courageous for our people and for the cities of our God, and Jehovah will do what is good in his eyes. Then Joab and his men advanced to meet the Syrians in battle, and they fled from before him. When the Ammonites saw that the Syrians had fled, they fled from Abishai and went into the city. After that, Joab returned from the Ammonites and came to Jerusalem. When the Syrians saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they regrouped. So Hadiasah sent forth the Syrians in the regions of the river, and they came. And then they came to Helam with Sobach, the chief of the army of Hadiasah, leading them. When the report was made to David, he immediately gathered all Israel and crossed the Jordan and came to Helam. The Syrians then drew up in battle formation to meet David and fought against him. But the Syrians fled from Israel, and David killed 700 chariots and 40,000 horsemen of the Syrians. And he struck down Sobach, the chief of their army, who died there. When all the kings... The servants of Hadiasa saw that they had been defeated by Israel. They promptly made peace with Israel and became their subjects. And the Syrians were afraid to help the Amorites anymore. Chapter number 11 At the start of the year, at the time when kings go on campaigns, David sent Joab and his servant and the entire army of Israel to bring the Amorites to ruin. And they besieged Rabbah while David stayed in Jerusalem. One evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the rooftops of the king's house. From the rooftop he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to inquire about the woman, and he reported, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers to bring her. So she came in to him, and he lay down with her. This happened while she was purifying herself from her uncleanliness. Afterwards she returned to her house. The woman became pregnant, and she sent a message to David, I am pregnant. At this David sent a message to Joab, Send to me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. Then Uriah came to him. David asked him how Joab was getting along, how the troops were getting along, and how the war was going. David then said to Uriah, 
Go down to your house and relax. When Uriah left the king's house, the king's courtesy's gift was sent after him. However, Uriah slept at the entrance of the king's house with all the other servants of his lord, and he did not go down to his own house. So David was told, Uriah did not go down to his own house. At that David said to Uriah, Have you not just returned from a journey? Why did you not go down to your own house? Uriah replied to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in temporary shelters, and my lord, Joab, and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. So should I go into my own house to eat and drink and lie down with my wife? As surely as you live and are alive, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, Stay here also today, and tomorrow I will send you away. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem one that day and the following day. David then sent for him to come and eat and drink with him, and he got him drunk. But in the evening he went out to sleep on his bed with the servants of his lord, and he did not go down to his house. In the morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. He wrote in the letter, Put Uriah in the front lines where the fighting is fiercest. Then retreat from behind him, so that he will be struck down and die. Joab had been carefully watching the city, and he stationed Uriah where he knew there were mighty warriors. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of David's servants fell, and Uriah the Hittite was among <clears throat> those who died. Joab now reported to David all the news about the war. He instructed the messenger, When you finish speaking to the king about all the news of the war, the king may become angry and say to you, Why did you have to go so near to the city to fight? Did you not know that they would shoot from the top of the wall? Who struck down Abimelech, the son of Jerubeshet? Was it not a woman who threw an upper millstone on him from the top of the wall, causing his death at Tebes? Why did you have to go so close to the wall? Then say, Your servant Urias the Hittite also died. So the messengers went and told David everything that Job had sent him to tell. Then the messengers told David, Their men overpowered us, and they came out against us in the field, but we drove them back to the entrance of the city gate. And the archers were shooting at your servants from the top of the wall, and some of the servants of the king died. Your servant Uriah the Hittite also died. At that David said to the messenger, Say this to Job, Do not let this matter trouble you for the sword devours one as well as another. Intensify your battle against the city and conquer it, and encourage him. When Urias's wife heard that her husband Uriah had died, she began to mourn her husband. As soon as the mourning period was over, David sent for her and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But what David had done was very displeasing to Jehovah. Chapter number 12 So Jehovah sent Nathan to David. He came in to him and said, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing but one small female lamb, which he had brought he cared, he cared for it, and it grew up together with him and his sons. It would eat from the little food he had 
and drink from his cup and sleep in his arms. He became as a daughter to him. Later a visitor came to the rich man, but he would not take any of his own sheep and cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. At this David grew very angry against the man, and he said to Nathan, As surely as Jehovah is living, the man who did this deserves to die, and he should pay for the lamb four times over, because he did this and showed no compassion. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man, this is what Jehovah the God of Israel says, I myself anointed you as king over Israel, and I rescued you from the hands of Saul. I was willing to give you your master's house and put your master's wife in your arms, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And as if that were not enough, I was willing to do much more for you. Why did you despise the word of Jehovah by doing what is bad in his eyes? You struck down Urias the Hittite with the sword. Then you took his wife as your wife after you killed him by the sword of the Ammonites. Now a sword will never depart from your own house, because you despised me by taking the wife of Uriah the Hittite as your wife. This is what Jehovah says. Here I am bringing against you calamity from within your own house and before your own eyes. I will take your wives and give them to another man, and he will lie down with your wives in broad daylight. Although you acted in secret, I will do this in front of all Israel and in broad daylight. David then said to Nathan, I have sinned against Jehovah. Nathan replied to David, Jehovah in return forgives your sin, you will not die. Nevertheless, because you have treated Jehovah with utter disrespect in this matter, the son just the son just born to you will certainly die. Then Nathan went to his own house, and Jehovah struck the child whom Urias's wife had borne to David, and he became sick. David pleaded with the true God in behalf of the boy. David went on a strike fast and would go in and spend the night lying on the ground. So the elders of his house stood over him and tried to raise him up from the ground, but he refused and would not eat with them. On the seventh day the child died, but David's servant were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. They said, While the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. So how can we tell him that the child has died? He may do something terrible. When David saw that his servant were whispering to one another, he discerned that the child was dead. David said to his servant, Has the child died? They replied, He has died. So David got up from the ground. He washed, rubbed himself with oil, changed his clothing, and went to the house of Jehovah and prostrated himself. Afterwards he went to his house and asked for food to be brought to him, and he ate. His servant asked him, Why have you acted in this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, we kept weeping, <coughs> but as soon as the child died, you got up and ate food. He replied, While the child was alive, I fasted and kept weeping, because I said to myself, Who knows whether Jehovah may show me favor and let the child live? Now that he has died, why should I fast? Can I bring him back? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David con 
thwarted his wife Bathsheba, he went in to her and lay down with her. In time she bore a son, and he was named Solomon. And Jehovah loved him, and he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Yediah for the sake of Jehovah. Joab continued fighting against Rabah of the Ammonites, and he captured the royal city. So Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabah, and I have captured the city of waters. Now gather the rest of the troops and encamp against the city and capture it. Otherwise I will be the one to capture the city, and it will be credited to me. So David gathered all the troops and went to Rabah and fought against it and captured it. Then he took the crown of Malcham from its head. The weight of it was a talent of gold, although along with precious stones, and it was placed on David's head. He also took a vast amount of spoils from the city, and he brought out the people who were in it and put them to work at sawing stones, at working with sharp iron instruments and with iron axes and at brick-making. That was what he did to all the cities of the Ammonites. Finally, David and all the troops returned to Jerusalem. Chapter number 13. Now David's son, Absalom, had a beautiful sister named Tamar, and David's son, Amnon, fell in love with her. Amnon was so distressed that he became sick because of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for Amnon to do anything to her. Now Amnon had a companion named Jehonadab, the son of Shimiah, David's brother, and Jehonadab was a very clever man. So he said to him, Why are you, the king's son, so desperate or depressed every morning? Why not tell me? Amnon replied to him, I'm in love with Tamar, the sister of my brother Absalom. Jehonadab replied to him, Lay down on your bed and pretend to be sick. When your father comes to see you, say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come and serve me some food. If she prepares the food given to the sick before my eyes, I will eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick, and the king came in to see him. And Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come in and bake two heart-shaped cakes before my eyes so that I may take food from her hand. And there David sent a messenger to Tamar of the house, saying, Please go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon, where he was lying down. She took the dough and kneaded it into cakes before his eyes and cooked the cakes. Then she took the pan and served him. But Amnon refused to eat and said, Have everybody have everybody leave me. So everybody left him. Amnon said, Amnon said, Amnon now said to Tamar, Bring the food into the bedroom, so that I may eat in it from your hand. So Tamar took the heart shaped cakes that she had made and brought them to her brother Amnon in the bedroom. When she brought them for him to eat, he grabbed her and said, Come, lie down with me, my sister. But she said to him, No, my brother, do not humiliate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. How could I live down my shame, and you will be regarded as one of the disgraceful men in Israel? 
Now speak, please, to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. But he refused to listen to her, and he overpowered her and humiliated her by raping her. Then Amnon became but then Amnon began hating her with a very intense hatred, so that his hatred for her became greater than the love he had felt for her. Amnon said to her, Get up, go away. At this she said to him, No, my brother, for sending me away now is worse than what you have done with me. But he refused to listen to her. With that he called his young attendants and said, Get this person out of my presence, please, and lock the door behind her. Now she was wearing a special robe, for those were the garments that the virgin's daughters of the king wore. So his attendant led her outside, and he looked, uh, locked the door behind her. Then Samar put ashes on her head, and she ripped apart the fine robe she was wearing, and she kept her hands on her head and walked off, crying out as she walked. At this her brother Absalom asked her, was it, was it your brother Amnon who was with you? And now keep silence, my sister. He is your brother. Do not let your heart dwell on this matter. Then Samar lived in isolation at the house of her brother Absalom. When King David heard about all these things, he became very angry. But he would not hurt the feelings of Amnon his son, because he loved him, for he was his firstborn. And Absalom said nothing to Amnon, either bad or good. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had humiliated his sister Tamar. After two full years, Absalom's shepherdess were at Baal Hazor near Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the sons of the king. So Absalom came in to the king and said, Your servant is having his sheep sheared. Please let the king and his servants go with me. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, if all of you go, we will be a burden to you. Although he kept urging him, he did not consent to go, but he blessed him. Absalom then said, If, if not you, please let my brother Amnon go with, you, with us. The king replied to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, so he sent Amnon and all the king's sons with him. Then Absalom ordered his attendants, Watch, and when Amnon's heart is in a cheerful mood from the wine, I will say to you, Strike down Amnon. <coughs> you must put him to death. Do not be afraid. Is it not I who commands you? Be strong and courageous. So Absalom's attendants did to Amnon exactly as Absalom had ordered, then all the other sons of the king got up, and each one mounted his mule and fled. While they were on the way, the report reached David. Absalom has struck down all the sons of the king, and not one of them survived. At this the king got up and ripped his clothes apart, and laid on the ground, and all his servants were standing by with their garments ripped apart. However, Rehunadab, the son of Shimia, David's brother, said, Do not let my lord think that they have killed all the young sons of the king, for only Amnon has died. This is by the order of Absalom, who decided to do this, from the day that Amnon humiliated his sister Tamar. Now do not let my lord the king pay attention to the report that says all the king's sons have died. Only Amnon has died. 
Meanwhile, Absalom ran away. Later the watchman raised his eyes and saw that there were many people coming from the road behind him next to the mountain. At this, Jehonadab said to the king, Look, the king's sons have returned. It is just as your servant said. As he finished speaking, the king's sons came in, weeping loudly. Also the king and all his servants wept very bitterly. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amihud, the king of Geshur. David mourned his son for many days. After Absalom fled and went to Geshur, he stayed there for three years. Finally, King David longed to go to Absalom, for he had become reconciled to the death of Amnon. Chapter number 14 Now Joab, the son of Seruah, learned that the king's heart longed for Absalom. So Joab sent to Tekoa and summoned from there a clever woman and told her, Act like you are in mourning, please, and put on garments of mourning, and do not rub yourself with oil. Behave like a woman who has been mourning over some someone dead for a long time. Then go in and speak to the king like this. With that, Joab put the words in her mouth. Then Tekoa, the Tekoite woman went into the king and fell with her face to the ground and prostrated herself and said, Help me, O king. The king replied to her, What is the matter? To this she said, Alas, I am a widow, my husband is dead, and I, your servant, had two sons, and the two of them fought with each other in the field. There was no one to separate them, and one struck the other down and killed him. Now the whole family has risen up against me, your servant, and they are saying, Hand over the one who struck his brother, so that he may put him to death for the life of his brother whom he killed, even if it means wiping out the heirs. They would extinguish the last glowing coal that I have left, and leave to my husband neither name nor survivor on the surface of the earth. Then the king said to the woman, Go to your home, and I will issue an order regarding you. It is the Tekoitic woman said to the king, O my lord the king, let the guilt be on me and on my father's house, while the king and his thrones are innocent. The king then said, If anyone speaks further to you, bring him to me, and he will never trouble you again. But she said, Please let the king remember Jehovah your God, so that the avenger of blood does not bring ruin and annihilate my son. To this he said, As surely as Jehovah is living, Not one of your son's hairs will fall to the ground. The woman now said, Let your servant please speak a word to my lord the king. So he said, Speak. The woman said, Why then have you thought to do something like this against the people of God? When the king speaks this way, he makes himself guilty, for the king does not bring back his own bashing son, banished son, We will surely die and be like waters that are poured out on the ground, which cannot be recovered. But God would not take away a life, and he considers reasons why the banished one should not always be banished from him. I have come in to say this to my lord, the king, because the people made me afraid. So your servant said, 
Let me speak, please, to the king. Perhaps the king will act on the request of his slave. The king may listen and rescue his slave from the hands of the man seeking to annihilate me and my only son from the inheritance God gave us. Then your servant said, May the word of my lord, the king, please give me relief. For my lord, the king, is just like an angel of the true God in distinguishing what is good from what is bad. May Jehovah your God be with you. The king now answered the woman, Please do not hide from me anything I ask you. The woman replied, Let my lord, the king, speak, please. The king then said, Did Joah put you up to all this? The woman answered, As surely as you are living, O my lord, the king, it is just as my lord, the king, says, for it was your servant, Joab, who instructed me and put all these words in the mouth of your servant. Your servant, Joab, has done this to change the appearance of things, but my lord has wisdom like that of the angel of the true God, and knows all that is happening in the land. The king then said to Joab, All right, I will do this thing. Go and bring back the young man Absalom. At this Joab fell with his face to the ground and prostrated himself and praised the king. Joab said, Today your servant knows that I have found favor in your eyes. O my lord the king, because the king has acted on the request of his servant. Then Joab got up and went to Geshua and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. However, the king said, Let him return to his own house, but he may not see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, and he did not see the face of the king. Now in all Israel no man was as highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head there was no flaw in him. When he shaved his head, he had to shave it at the end of every year because it was so heavy for him. The hairs of his head weighed two hundred shekels by the royal stone weight. To Absalom were born three sons and one daughter, whose names were Tamar, she was a, whose name was Tamar. She was a very beautiful woman. And Absalom continued living in Jerusalem for two full years, but he did not see the face of the king. So Absalom summoned Joab in order to send him to the king, but Joab would not come to him. Then he sent for him again a second time, and he still refused to come. Finally he said to his servant, Joab's plot of land is next to mine, and he has some barley there. Go and set it on fire. So the servants of Absalom set the plot of land on fire. At this Joab got up and came to Absalom's house and said to him, Why did your servant set my plot of land on fire? Absalom replied to Joab, Look, I send this message to you. Come and let me send you to the king to ask, Why have I, why have I come from Geshur? It would have been better for me to stay there. Now let me see the face of the king, and if there is guilt in me, then he should put me to death. So Joab went in to the king and told him. Then he called Absalom, who came in to the king and prostrated himself before him, falling with his face to the ground before the king. Then the king kissed Absalom. Chapter number 15 after all these things, Absalom acquired for himself a chariot and horses and fifty men to run before him. Absalom would rise up early and stand at the side of the road to the city gate. Whenever any man had a legal case that was to come to the king for judgment, Absalom would call him and say, 
from what city are you from? And he would say, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Absalom would say to him, see, your claims are right and proper, but there is no one from the king to hear your case. <coughs> Absalom would say, if only I were appointed judge in the land, then every man who has a legal case or judgment could come to me, and I would see that he receives justice. And when a man came near to bow down to him, Absalom would extend his hand and grab hold of him and kiss him. Absalom would do this to all the Israelites who come, who would come in to the king of judgment for judgment. So Absalom kept stealing the hearts of the men of Israel. At the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, Let me go, please, to Hebron to pray my vows that I made to Jehovah. For your servant made this solemn vow when I was dwelling in Geshua in Syria. If Jehovah will bring me back to Jerusalem, I will make an offering to Jehovah. So the king said to him, Go in peace. With that he rose up and went to Hebron. Absalom now sent spies through all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, announce Absalom has become king in Hebron. Now two hundred men from Jerusalem had gone there with Absalom. They were invited and went unsuspectively, unaware of what was happening. Further, <clears throat> when he offered the sacrifice, Absalom sent for Ahitophel, the Ginnulite, David's advisor, from his city, Giloch. The conspiracy kept gaining momentum, and the people who supported Absalom were growing in number. In time, an informer came to David, saying, The heart of the men of Israel has turned to Absalom. At once David said to all his servants with him in Jerusalem, Get up and let us run away, for none of us will escape from Absalom. Hurry, for fear he may quickly overtake us and bring disaster on us and strike the city with the sword. The king's servant replied to the king, Whatever my lord the king's decide, your servant are ready to do. So the king went out with all his household following him, but the king left ten concubines to take care of the house, and the king continued on his way out with all the people following, and they stopped at Bet-Mirak, met Bet-Mirak, all his servants leaving with him, and all the Territories, the Philistines, and the Gittites, six hundred men who had followed him from Gat, were passing by as the king reviewed them. Then the king said to Ittite, the Gittite, Why should you also go with us? Go back and dwell with the new king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your place. Yesterday you came, so today should I make you wander with us to go when I must go and where I must <coughs> to go when I must go and where I must go. Go back and take your brother with you, and may Jehovah show you loyal love and faithfulness. But Etai answered the king, As surely as Jehovah is living, and as surely as my lord the king is living, wherever my lord the king may be, whether for dead or for life, there your servant will be. At that David said to Etai, Go and cross over. So Etai the Gittite crossed over, together with all his men and children. Everyone in the land was weeping loudly while all these people crossed over, and the king was standing by the Kimron Valley. 
All the people were crossing over to the road leading to the wilderness. Sadok was also there, and with him were all the Levites carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the True God. And they set the Ark of the True God down. And Abiatar went up, while all the people completed crossing over from the city. But the king said to Sadok, Take the Ark of the True God back to the city. If I find favor in the eyes of Jehovah, he will also bring me back and let me see it and its dwelling place. But if he should say, I have found no pleasure in you, then let him do to me whatever seems good in his eyes. The king said to Sadok the priest, Are you not a seer? Return to the city in peace and take the two sons of you, uh, men with you. Ahimaaz, your son, your own son, and Jonathan, the son of Abiata. See, I will linger by the forts of the wilderness until words come from you to inform me. So Sadok and Abiata took the ark of the true God back to Jerusalem, and they remained there. As David was going up the Mount of Olives, he was weeping as he went up. His head was covered, and he was walking barefoot. All the people with him also covered their heads and were weeping as they went up. David was then told, Ahitophel is among those conspiring with Absalom. At this David said, Turn, please, the advice of Ahitophel into foolishness, O Jehovah. When David came to the summit, where people used to bow down to God, Hushai the Actite was there to meet him, with his robe ripped apart and dirt on his head. However, David said to him, If you go across with me, you will be a load to me, a load on me. But if you are returned to the city and you say to Absalom, I am your servant, O king, I was the servant of your father in the past, but now I am your servant, you can then frustrate the advice of Ahitophel for me. Are not Sadok and Abiata the priest there with you? You must tell Sadok and Abiata the priest everything that you hear from the house of the king. Look, there with them are their two sons, Ahimasa, the son of Sadok, and Jonathan, the son of Abiata, and through them send to me everything that you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, went into the city of As as Absalom was entering into Jerusalem. Chapter number 16. When David has had passed a little beyond the summit, Ziba, the attendant of Mephibosheth, was there to meet him with a couple of saddled donkeys, and on them were 200 loaves of bread, 100 cases of raisins, 100 cases of summer fruits, and a large jar of wine. Then the king said to Ziba, Why have you bought these things? Ziba replied, the donkeys are for the household of the king to ride, the bread and the summer fruits are for the young men to eat, and the wine is for those who get exhausted in the wilderness to drink. The king now said, And where is the son of your master? At this Ziba said to the king, He is staying in Jerusalem, for he said, Today the house of Israel will give back the royal rule of my father, for, uh, father to me. The king then said to Ziba, Look, everything that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. Ziba replied, I bow down before you. 
May I find favor in your eyes, my lord the king. When King David reached Bahurim, a man of the family of Saul's house named Shimi, the son of Gera, came out shouting curses as he approached. He was throwing stones at David and at all the servants of the king David and the mighty men on his right and on his left. Shimi said as he cursed, Get out, get out, you blood-guilty man, you worthless man. Jehovah has brought back on you all the blood-guilt for the house of Saul, in whose place you have ruled as king. But Jehovah gives the kingship into the hands of Absalom, your son. Now calamity has overtaken you, because you are a blood-guilty man. Then Abishai, the son of Shehuiah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, please, and take off his head. But the king said, What do I have to do with you, you sons of Shuer? Let him curse me, for Jehovah has said to him, Curse David. So why? So who should say, Why are you doing this? David then said to Abishai and all his servants, Hear my own son, who came from my own body, is seeking my life, and how much more now a Benjaminite? Leave him alone, so that he may curse me, for Jehovah told him to. Perhaps Jehovah will see my affliction, and Jehovah will restore goodness to me, instead of the curses shouted at me this day. With that David and his men kept going down the road, while Shimi was walking alongside the mountain, abreast of him, shouting curses and throwing stones and a lot of dust. At length the king and all the people with him arrived at their destination exhausted, and they refreshed themselves. Meanwhile Absalom and all the men of Israel arrived in Jerusalem, and Ahitophel was with him. When Hushai, the Arctite, David's friend, came in to Absalom, Hushai said to Absalom, Long live the king, long live the king. At this Absalom said to Hushai, Is this your loyal love towards your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? So Hushai said to Absalom, No, I am on the side of the one who has been chosen by Jehovah, this people, and all the men of Israel. I will stay with him. And again I say, Who should I serve? Should I not be should it not be his son? Just as I served your father, so I will serve you. Absalom then said to Ahitophel, Give me your advice. What should we do? At that Aitophel said to Absalom, Have relations with your father's concubines, those whom he left behind to take care of the house. Then all Israel will hear that you have made yourself a stent to your father, and those who support you will be strengthened. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and Absalom had relations with the concubines of his fathers before the eyes of all Israel. In those days the advice that Aitophel gave was considered as the word of the true God. That was how all the advice of Aitophel was esteemed both by David and by Absalom. So this is Kenneth Anderson signing off. It's the 10th January 2023. The time is 20.03 and it is Tuesday. Bye.